The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Glorious. I'd ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God who uh, continually finds ways to show up and to then invite us back into the story of a Messiah who fights for us and lives for us and dies for us. Uh, Father, Lord, uh, we pray that in this time, as we again encounter you in your word, uh, that you speak to us. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So this is the Axe Unplugged service, so I get to play around a little bit more than I do at the 930. A few less little, little kids. Uh, and so before we start off, I want to know, what is the most, what do you, what gets you most excited to talk about? So you're going to spend one minute, say hi to someone next to you, and what are you excited to talk about? It could be movies, it could be building something, it could be antiquing. Whatever it is, what topic gets you joyful to talk about? And Go! Glorious. All right. So we're going to dive back into our message today. We're in a series called A Thrill of Hope. And this was not my idea. It's one of those glorious gifts one of the congregation members gave me, where Raylan Pratt, who typically takes point on our Advent devotional, said, I would love to do an Advent devotional on the Christmas carols, on the deep truths that we have in the literal soundtrack to our Christmas season. And for me, as a pastor who every year has to come up with a sermon series, I was like, that sounds fantastic, because I don't have to think it up. So we started that series last week with, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And this week, we're going to look at Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which for me is honestly one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story because I'm a guy and I like soldiers and I like fighting. And that's what this story is about. And you wouldn't think of it immediately when you think of the context of the angels showing up to the shepherds. You don't think warriors because Hallmark has done a really good job of convincing you that angels are these little babies that fly around with diapers and wings with like the little cupid arrow going around shooting people. But when you look at the Old Testament, that is not what an angel is. The word angel literally means a messenger in Old Testament Hebrew or an advocate for. And when the Bible talks about angels, it talks about either the voice of God coming down and giving a message, or it talks about the army of God. These aren't little babies in diapers. These are soldiers. These are the heavenly fighting force. And so when the angels show up to the shepherds, this isn't these little babies. It's not even the heavenly choir, right? All dressed up in these nice white robes on their, you know, Handel's Messiah singing tour, right? That's not what's happening here. And in fact, my favorite Christmas story doesn't even come from the Gospels. My favorite Christmas story comes from Revelation 12, where it pulls back the curtain from what happened in a spiritual realm when Jesus shows up. It comes from Revelation 12. It says, A great sign appeared in the heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant, and she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her the moment he was born. She was about to give birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. Does that story sound a little familiar to you? 
This is what's happening in the spiritual realm when Jesus is being born. This is why King Herod tries to kill Jesus. He was working for the enemy. He was working for the demons. And Revelations 12 goes on and it says, And the hurt child was snatched up to God to his throne, but then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The story of the angels singing about peace, the reason why it's such a big deal is because they were at war. They had been at war for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And Jesus' arrival meant the beginning of the end to that war. When Jesus showed up, it meant that finally, once and for all, this war that they had bled for, that they had fought for, could finally come to an end. It was their D-Day. The promised Messiah, the hero, who would once and for all defeat evil. And so when the angels show up, they're fresh from the trenches. They've been duking it out to get this baby born because Satan did everything he could to stop it. But the baby's born. The Messiah's come, and it's the beginning of the end. And so what do soldiers sing about? What gets them excited? Peace. That's the context of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's the context of Luke 2 and following. And so the song says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. This comes straight from Ephesians 2, where Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, he says, for he, being Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility by which he put to death the war. By once and for all, we don't have to go back to that old way of living, that destructive way of living. And we talk about that, this a lot here at this church, but sin literally just tears apart relationships. It tears apart our relationship with God, with each other, with our world. And so Jesus' arrival and his defeating of sin is literally taking the power source of this war that the angels are fighting against. And so how do you end war? You conquer sin. You conquer the root cause of what is dividing us and separating us as humans. Any brokenness that's ever happened in your family, any brokenness that you've ever had with another individual, be it a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a friend or a neighbor, it all finds its root cause, its root dividing wall in sin. And what we see in our Messiah is we have a God who can conquer sin. We have a God who can take that root cause and clean it and purify it, and purify us so we can start to reconnect to God, so we can start to reconnect to each other, so we can start to reconnect to this world. And that is good news. That is gospel. The song goes on. 
It says, joyful all ye nations wise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. So hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. This is telling the story of the shepherds. So the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him, what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What I love about this story is Jesus doesn't show up to the kings and the queens. He doesn't show up to the powerful or the rich. He doesn't show up to the main influencers on Instagram with 2.5 million followers. He shows up to the shepherds out in a field, regular dudes with regular jobs. And the, sh- and the angels sing of peace and good news that's for them. And good news that's for everyone. The reason why I started by asking you guys, what gets you excited to talk about? Right? Whether it's movies or your work or going on vacation or traveling or whatever it is, is because what we're excited about, what's natural and authentic to us is something we want to share something we get excited to share. And sometimes when we talk about what it looks like to share God's love, to share the gospel, we overcomplicate it. And we think we have to have the perfect presentation with the perfect Bible verses. And if you're not a pastor, or if you're not an elder, or if you don't have the right training, you can't share what God is up to. But literally, what it's meant to be is just sharing the excitement and the trust of who God is in your life. So times where you were in a really dark place, and it didn't look like there was any way out, and you knew that God was with you. That's sharing the good news. When you are carrying shame of decisions that you may have made, things you said, and you carried that, and the love of God and the forgiveness of God liberated you, we get excited about that. And that good news, in the same way that the angels said to the shepherds, is for you and for all people, The good news of what God has done in your life, how he's forgiven you, how he's redeemed you, how he hasn't left you alone when you were in that dark place, that's what it looks like to share the gospel. That's what it looks like to celebrate what God has done. It's not this perfect presentation of who God is. It's, no, opening up our imperfect lives and saying, this is how God didn't leave me alone. This is how God rescued me, redeemed me, brought me into community, gave me purpose, gave me light. And because we're excited about that, because it's natural to us, we share it with joy. We share it out of a place of happiness and contentment, and we join the shepherds in celebrating who this Messiah is. Stong goes on. It says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come offspring of the virgin's womb. Luke 1 says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be the Most High, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The great God, the Lord God, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The good news is that our Messiah is born of a woman, is born human. And the reason why that's such good news is it means that he can relate to us. You know, sometimes when we're praying to God, he can seem so foreign, so alien, right? 
He's not here. He doesn't have a body. And so we pray to him, and it's like, do you even know what it's like? And he answers, yes, I do. Because I put on flesh. I became human so I could know what it felt like to be in the human condition. Scripture says that he was tempted in every way so that he could relate to us in our temptation. So if you've ever been sick and you cry out to God, God's able to say, I know what it's like to be sick. If you've ever been lonely or ever been betrayed and you cry out to God, he's able to say, I know what it's like to be lonely. I know what it's like to be betrayed. If you've ever eaten a really good meal and you cry out to him in Thanksgiving and be like, this was the best pizza ever. He's like, dude, I had my favorite foods too. I know what that's like. We get to share life with a God who knows what it's like to be human. And so that's good news. But he's not just human. No, the song continues on. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men, with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, he's not only God, or he's not only man, he's also the deity. Our Savior has the power to fix things. The Old Testament was a time and time and time again God raising up just normal folk to try to fix the problem, and we aren't strong enough. The human condition by itself is not strong enough to rescue and redeem, and so not only does he show up as man, he shows up as God with the power to rescue with the power to be more than just another good teacher, another good example, but the power to heal, the power to speak life and light and truth and to redeem in a way that no human ever could. And so our hero is not just one of us. He's more than that. He has the power to fix broken things. He has the power to remove your shame and your guilt through the forgiveness of sins. He has the power to mend broken families. He has the power to heal and to feed and to ultimately one day put an end to a war that has marred this world for generation after generation after generation. You see, our Messiah, the good news is he can both relate to us, but he can fix us. He is both God and man in one. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. This comes straight from the prophet Malachi talking about the Messiah. And it says, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Before every service, we pray. And it was 9 o'clock, and we were praying over what God was going to do here. And uh, Grace Huey said, and we pray for those whose Christmas is a time of mourning, who have relationships that are no longer connected to them, whether by sin by some kind of betrayal, by some kind of brokenness within an immediate relationship, or by death. We all need that healing. 
Christmas is a weird time, right? All the lights are out. The songs are playing. You got all those good vibes hitting you. But then at the same time, there's like this undercurrent of the hurt and the pain and the loss. And they compete and they fight. And you end up in this really weird emotional state. And so we have a Messiah who came to promise that, yes, I am here. Yes, it's a time to celebrate. But yes, it's still broken and I'm still working. And that promise for healing is still good. Might take time. Doesn't always happen immediately. But you have a God who is still fighting for you and redeeming you and bringing life and light to all he encounters. The song ends. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man may no more may die. Born to raise the son of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. 1 Corinthians says, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even death would not stop our hero and our Messiah. And so when death still hits us, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We mourn with those who have hope that our Messiah conquered sin, and because he conquered sin and then grows back to life, Easter, the tomb's empty. So we ultimately put our trust and our faith that he is better at his job than we are better at ours. That it's not our strength that's going to get us there. That it's not our strength that's going to carry us through. That it's not our strength we're building a foundation on. But it is the strength of the God-man. God made flesh who then puts us on his firm foundation and says, no matter where you go, no matter what happens, I am with you, I am for you, and we go together. And that is something to celebrate. That is how we join the shepherds. We pass on that same hope and that same trust when God gives us those opportunities to have a relationship or a friendship with people. It's not about trying to convince them that God is real It's not about trying to convince them that they're wrong. It's about sharing your story of a God who shows up, Emmanuel, God with us, and redeems you and fights for you and gives you confidence that even though we die, we yet live. And ultimately, we are going to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth and that that same God wants a relationship with them. That that same God fights for them, advocates for them, dies for them, and raises back to life to be with them, to be a part of family, to have communion, literally community union between our Emmanuel, God with us, and each other and this world. We're going to get to experience Emmanuel. How much does God love you? What will he do to be in relationship with you? Well, on the night that he was betrayed, on the night that we betrayed him, on the night that we were in full-on rebellion, his best friends, 
He took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which will break for you. The same way also after the supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, drink of it, all of you, this cup is my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, a new covenant, a new promise, a new way to connect to God, a new way to connect to each other, and Emmanuel, God with us, is here, in, with, and under. He shows up in a sacred moment and says, I'm here for you, I fought for you, I died for you, and now we live together. To be that same type of agent of forgiveness and love to all we encounter. I ask those helping with communion to come forward. I ask the band to come up and continue our worship as we again encounter the story of Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.